0: I'm Dr. Renee White and this is The Science of Motherhood. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of The Science of Motherhood. I'm your host, Dr. Renee White. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Very, very excited to have your ear because we are going to be talking to a very special guest about a particular topic that I am incredibly passionate about it is around iron deficiency. And if you have listened to our kick postnatal depletion to the curb episode, I think it's episode 53, where I talk about all the hero mama nutrients that we try to Pack into our beautiful fill your cup mamas and families after the birth of their babies, you would have heard me banging on about how important iron is in postpartum. My goodness. And if you're thinking, hold on a minute, what's fill your cup? What's this? What's going on? So when I'm not in front of the microphone. Long time listeners will know that I am a postpartum doula leading the charge at Fill Your Cup, which is Australia's first biochemist led doula village. We are currently servicing Melbourne and Hobart and the Bellarine Geelong as well, Sydney and Brisbane, which is very, very exciting that we are spreading the good word and helping. Mothers and families across Australia who are typically overwhelmed and sleep-deprived after the births of their new babies. And so at Fill Your Cup, we provide in-home care to help support those families, whether it be through feeding or sleep. And when I say sleep, it's mama's sleep. <laughs> We cook beautiful, nourishing meals, which are postpartum specific. So I've curated the menu such that we are repleting our mamas with all the good stuff, iron, DHA, collagen, magnesium, zinc, all all the things that our beautiful babies suck the life out of us during those nine to 10 months of incubation. So if... You would like to inquire about having what some of our clients have called the Mary Poppins of Mothers, <laughs> which is a beautiful, beautiful thing to say about us, if you are interested in having a postpartum doula in your life to help nurture and nourish you and support your family during a very, very wonderful yet challenging. Part of your life, feel free to drop us a message over on the website ifillyourcup.com or you can jump on Instagram because we kind of hang out there a lot. We're at fillyourcup underscore and you can slip into the DMs and we can have a chat about how we can support you best in your postpartum. So as I said, I am talking to the wonderful Melanie Nolan, From the Natal Naturopath. She is a mother to three daughters. And the Natal Naturopath is a women's clinic in Melbourne. And she has recently launched her own iron and prenatal supplements. And we'll be talking about that um, briefly on the podcast. But essentially, Mel wants to bridge the gap between baby care and mother care. And so that, I guess, was the catalyst for creating her supplement range. When realizing to get premium products herself, you need to get a prescription, which leaves many women taking poor quality vitamins and falling down to iron deficiency and depletion. So her products, Evernatal and Iron Biotic, were created and they are super high quality ingredients. She has got a lot of backing through research around optimal dosing and you'll hear in this podcast that she understands that with this high quality ingredients and optimal dosing, you are actually using them for what you actually need. (laughs) Not this crazy, I guess, narrative around, you know, here's oh, you're anemic or your iron levels are low. So off you go to the pharmacy and just go grab an iron supplement. That's such a generic piece of advice. Um, And whilst Mel and I are not medical professionals, we need to have that as a caveat. So we are not GPs. I have a doctorate in biochemistry and immunology. So that's as close to it as I get, but I do understand, you know, the biochemistry around iron and things like that, if you are told to just whip down to the pharmacy and grab an iron supplement and you are not given any, you know, I guess, room around when to come back and to be monitored, what type of iron supplement, what's the dosage, anything like that, you need to check in with that GP again and find out that information and you will hear from... Mel in this podcast, how frequently, quote unquote, iron deficiency is just being either dismissed or, you know, just not monitored correctly. And it's a really, really, iron is a really, really important micronutrient that we do need to be monitoring, particularly in, you know, menstruating people. So I think you are going to find this chat really valuable. We look at, you know, the difference between iron deficiency and iron deficiency anemia. We talk about iron diffusions. We talk about what the optimal ranges are that you would expect for your iron or ferritin levels to be in a blood test. We talk about the symptoms versus... I guess, you know, the the expectation of just being tired in motherhood versus, you know, this could actually be a legitimate iron deficiency or iron deficiency anemia. And then we also touch on how that should be monitored throughout conception, pregnancy and postpartum and how maybe the guidelines are letting us down a little bit. So, I think that you're going to find this incredibly valuable. I also even slip into there my most favourite recipe for iron-rich food and what you need to ask your butcher. (laughs) So get your pen and paper ready because there's a lot of facts around this and a lot of important snippets of gold. So without further ado, here is... Melanie from The Natal Naturopath. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Mel, how are you? (laughs) Hey, Renee, how are you? I'm fabulous. Although it is very dreary and wet here in Hobart right now, which I'm not super excited about. How is it over in
1: Victoria? It is the exact same. Okay. Cold. Wet, horrible, not what you'd expect for this time of year at all. No,
0: I feel like we're almost leaning into winter, although daylight savings yeah. cha-
1: changes is happening this weekend. So That's thank you. It'll help. I know, although I'm a bit stressed about the kids' bedtime because that always throws us out for weeks. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Every, like, I feel like, I feel like. Every parent on like this coming Sunday has all got the angst or particularly with newborns and young mm-hmm. children, the anxiety levels yeah. are starting to build. Versus people who don't have kids, are just like it's just another Sunday. Oh my God. You <laughs> wouldn't even notice. <laughs> you would not even notice. Yeah,
1: like my eight-year-old's fine. There's so much buffer in her bedtime. Yeah. The four-year-old twins, though, that it, it's weeks of like it's almost like like getting them adjusted ten-minute increments. Yes, <laughs> yes,
0: yes, ten-minute increments. Yeah. I remember having to do that. Oh
1: my goodness! I know.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. we are not here to talk about daylight saving, although it is important <laughs> to mothers, and that is, I guess, the people that we are going to be talking about today. But we have you on this episode talking about iron deficiency, which is a very, very important topic. But I wanted to share with the listeners a little bit more about you and your expertise. (laughs) Can you tell us about the natal naturopath Mm. and how you got here and how the business kind of evolved over time.
1: Oh yes, such a good. It's a nice thing to look back on. So I studied naturopathy. So I started out of high school. I studied a law science degree with a major in microbiology. I love science and then law was thrown in there because my dad said I really should be doing that and that was (laughs) not my passion. (laughs) Yeah, He was like someone has to be a lawyer out of my three kids please can one of them be a lawyer? (laughs) No pressure Mel, no (laughs) pressure. Yeah your older sister stuff that one up so please can you at least (laughs) add law and I was like okay well maybe I could do you know it makes a lot of sense I could do something to do with science law like something you know in that world. Yes. But then it was not me at all. Yeah, but Of course, I realized that. And the science aspect I loved, but looking at a career in science, it did seem very focused on lab work, which wasn't yes. me. I wanted to help people <laughs> and I wanted to- <laughs> I wanted the face-to-face. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. And the talking and, you know. Anyway, so I dropped that and I took three months off and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then I realised, gosh, my naturopaths helped change my life because I had my own health issues through high school and such. I was like, God, I wonder if that's a career that's worth chasing. And everyone said don't. Like everyone I spoke to was like it's not, you don't do it for the money. If you want to be a naturopath, it's, it's, what's that saying when you do something just because you love it but you're not going to ever make it's not going to be your career like it has to be purely about passion that's right so I was a bit like oh okay I I still want to do it I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and I'm not gonna buy into that because I did get told a few times naturopaths just end up in health food stores you know on $20 an hour (laughs) okay yeah so there's a lot of that in the naturopath world, of like naturopaths don't make money. Anyway, so I was like, whatever, I don't, I don't want the money. I'll, I'll just do it because I love it. And so mm-hmm. I started and like week two, I found out I was pregnant and I was only 20. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I know, I know. Um, so me and my partner were like, okay, well, we're just going to do it. Let's, let's go ahead. So then fast forward, I did the, I did my degree alongside mothering my little one, Willow. And then I fell pregnant with my twin girls, identical twin girls Mm. at the very end of the degree. And then I finished my uni degree and I had babies. So I took a little bit of time between sort of finishing up uni and then starting my clinic. But because I was a mum of three girls, little ones, I felt like, I think working for myself is going to work well for for my my lifestyle. And I had such Mm. a passion because my postpartum experience with Willow was so vastly different than it was with the twins. I learned so much. much. If I would say, yeah, Willow's postpartum was really hard on me. Really not what I, Hmm. you know, not what I wanted, not what I hoped for at all. And I just felt like I was completely I, I my my me fell to the side it was just all about Willow that was yep. what I was getting told by the medical people I'd say I didn't set up my fourth trimester I didn't even know that babies didn't want to be put down so I was like what yeah you're like going you just on? Hang there
0: and yeah. I'm just gonna be over here and um, that's gonna work out
1: perfectly no oh my that god it didn't work Mel oh and I, I even <laughs> resorted to heating up a heat bag once in Willow's bassinet so that she'd think I was there like yes. come on you know yes desperation because I didn't know I yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't know this is really normal and babies need you and that's fine and not a bad habit. Yes. Um, so I learnt a lot more when I was preparing for my twins because I thought, holy crap, if my postpartum is the same as it was when I had Willow, I'll have twins and I'll have another one. I won't be able to survive this so I need to do mm-hmm. some work. Anyway, learned a lot through my uni degree about caring for women's, you know, just women's health in general. And I was like, oh, okay, I was severely anemic that whole time. Uh, Willow was a baby. That makes sense why I I felt so proud. And so I just thought I have such a passion for women's health, especially at that time it was postpartum care. And I opened my clinic when the twins were little and started seeing women just myself originally. That's how I started, just seeing, you know, consulting with women. And then it grew and we just got so busy and through COVID, like I was in Melbourne, so the lockdowns were insane. Um, As you would know as well, you were there too. And mm-hmm. I, my business mm. really took off at that point because I think there was a lot of mum sitting at home thinking, gosh, I don't feel right. And I have time to ponder that and explore that. So got super, super busy. I hired other naturopaths in to help me out and then it just snowballed. So then we started seeing more health concerns like now I I really love looking at thyroid and but iron deficiency what is still the number one thing that people come to my clinic with it's the number one deficiency in the world so I see it a lot and I myself have been anemic so many times I hemorrhaged at both births so willow and the twins willow's hemorrhage was unexpected and it was about one and a half liters and that's what led me into the anemia because it wasn't picked up properly Mm. With the twins, it was a hemorrhage, but it was also not not really that bad considering it was two babies. So they said like, oh, it's still considered a hemorrhage. It was yep. one litre, but it wasn't too severe because they give you more allowance, I suppose, when you have twins. And then I had a miscarriage. Mm. So I had a missed miscarriage in 2020 at the end of the year, and I lost like two litres of blood. I started miscarrying on a train in the Blue Mountains wow. and had to have emergency surgery Oh, at a regional goodness. hospital. And because it was a regional hospital, they didn't have a surgical team there all day. So I was waiting all day bleeding out. And I was like, I'm I'm probably going to die here. That's how I genuinely felt. It was so traumatic. Wow. Uh, what came from that is such a passion for treating anemia properly because I was anemic and my God, it impacts every facet of your life. So it took me like six months to recover mm. from that miscarriage because I was so unwell and in that process I just like I really I wanted to become the answer to my questions is like this cannot be right how can I treat this better it's not as simple as just Mm. going and grabbing an iron from the chemist and not much guidance Mm. around the dose and the absorption and what to take it with and not what to take it with and you know all the nuances to iron and treating it quickly so then from there I thought oh the main reason why women stop iron supplements is constipation. There has to be something out there that can stop that. Yes. So I explored mm-hmm. that idea for a while and that led me on to developing my own iron. So I have my own iron supplement now that I sell mm-hmm. along with a prenatal. So it's evernatal and iron biotic. And, yeah, I suppose they just came out of just a yearning for trying to do something differently and, not, and I wasn't happy what was what was out there yeah. at that time for myself, especially the iron.
0: Yeah. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Let's pause and just hold space for oh. you. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. that story about your daughters and your birth and that miscarriage. My goodness, that would have been such a... Terrifying experience. I mean, it's terrifying whilst Mm. it's happening, let alone not having the resources around you to kind of
1: lean on.
0: So, my goodness, it was
1: it was horrific. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I have such empathy for women that go through miscarriages now because I hadn't ever gone through one, and so I I really didn't understand maybe the the toll that it can take emotionally and physically. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's it's
0: interesting that you know, sometimes we support clients and they're coming mm. through their pregnancy. And obviously, you know, we're providing care during that time in terms of like virtual care. And in some instances, they do result in miscarriage. I think the statistic is one in four or one in five. Mm. And so the other thing is that women always say, oh, well, I guess I don't need a dollar anymore. And mm-hmm. that in and of itself my god that just pains me so much because mm-hmm. I'm my instant response is you absolutely do because you need that care and support like as much as someone who births a baby you know mm-hmm. like oh after gosh. 9 10 months of of cooking them so
1: and with the blood
0: loss and everything like that my god mm-hmm. bring the village
1: <laughs> bring the village oh, I love that so oh, I love that I think yeah. that is so important and, and so many women unfortunately suffer miscarriages in silence yes they d- don't even get time off work or they don't feel comfortable just to let their workplace know and so just normalizing that women miscarry it's something yeah. that happens and that it's not okay to be doing that on your own as well yeah absolutely or going through that on your own
0: yeah 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 definitely oh my goodness heavy topics already <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, shit.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. I did not know that you did a micro law. So,
1: did you finish that? Did you finish yeah. the micro law thing? No. Okay. No. no.
0: Okay. So you pulled I the record. after
1: one. Yeah. I thought, oh, I'm done. I'm just going to cut my losses here. <laughs> I did law for one. I did the law science for one year and then yep. I just did science. Yeah. And I have, like, literally two trimesters to go of that. So, I literally could go back and do it. I just don't believe it would serve my business business now and do. no and no kids, oh, i don't know it's not on my cards that's for no sure. no but i didn't know that about you
0: oh very yeah. cool <laughs> i love it okay so let's talk about iron deficiencies and i want to go back mm. to like basics like because mm-hmm. everyone throws the word around iron deficiency blah 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 oh do you think it's your iron levels so mm-hmm. okay back to basics what is iron? What do we need it for? And I guess yeah, why is it so important in particular for women? Um, because yes. I was reading an article the other day how they were saying that, um, for example, heart um, treatment and advice is now being, I guess, curated based on gender. And I'm like, of course oh it gosh. needs to be. We are diff like we we have different physiology we we do (laughs) and so we need to kind of personalize our medicine so why what is iron what's going Mm. on there why why do we need to have this monitored as as women
1: yeah so if we look at just iron in itself I mean you know iron does so much in the body the the main two that I'll focus on though is that it's a part of the electron transport chain which is a, a part of making ATP so that's energy. We need iron to create energy. And then also iron creates, is a part of creating hemoglobin. So hemoglobin carries oxygen around to your tissues from your lungs. So both of those two are, are going to, you know, they the energy. Like that's why when we think of someone, oh, I'm feeling so tired. It might be your iron. It's because of but those exact things that iron does in the body, it's to mm-hmm. do with your your stamina, your energy levels, you know, all of that. If we think about iron deficiency versus iron deficiency anemia, that's mm-hmm. what I would really like to differentiate. Yeah, So, yeah. So if, if you've been told you're iron deficient, that is just low ferritin. So on your blood test, you'll notice they'll check iron studies will be the heading and ferritin is one of them. That is your stored iron. So that's within your liver. That's like the X, whatever's excess in the body that your body isn't currently, you know, having through the bloodstream at that any minute. So serum iron is what's in the blood at that exact moment. It's really useless in determining uh whether you're a deficient or not because it changes every 24 hours. So we want to look at your ferritin and I could sit here forever explaining what, you know, the reference ranges and how I have such a problem with them. But when we look at a reference range in Australia, it normally starts at 30. So your ferritin, if the bottom end's 30 and the top end's 200. Now, honestly, the difference you would feel if your ferritin was at 100 compared to if was 31 is astronomical. Mm. So naturopaths, we look at where's optimal, where would the body be without symptoms, without sort of heading toward a deficiency. So 30 is not what I would want to be seeing.
0: Mm.
1: I think it's really frustrating for me that someone would be ferritin over 31 versus someone at 29. So it's like two points different. One will get told you need to treat your iron deficiency and the other will be told you're totally fine, mm. you know, and those two points, they're not going to make, make much difference at all. Yeah. So that's iron deficiency is where we see low ferritin. You also might see raised transferrin. So, so transferrin is the little car that comes and picks up iron. It's a carrier and if it's a bit higher on that reference range it would mean that the body has noticed you need iron and it's trying to increase the carriers to pick up more as much mm-hmm. as we can so that's that if that's the first that's the first thing what do i say the first um stage of then you, the developing of iron deficiency anemia. It'll start with iron deficiency and mm-hmm. then eventually will progress to an iron deficiency anemia if you don't rectify the iron deficiency. And that's just because hemoglobin is made of iron. And if you don't have enough iron, your body will will find it really hard to make enough hemoglobin. So your hemoglobin is your red blood cell, it'll start to drop on a blood test. And that's where you'll really notice those symptoms around shortness of breath, feeling puffed out, you'll, you know, being quite pale. You might find it if you stand up too quickly from sitting, you might see spots or stars or feel a bit faint. If it was, if it was bad enough, you might get heart palpitations, headaches, actual fainting, and then definitely a lowered immune system at this point as well. And so, Iron deficiency anemia is when it's caused by iron deficiency. If you've been told you're anaemic and you don't have low ferritin, that is something else. So that's not what we're going to talk about today, because mm-hmm. there's other causes for that. Mm. Yeah. Was that what was your question? No, that that <laughs> th- I think that's really interesting yeah. in a nutshell. So
0: you've got two things: it's the energy and it's the hemoglobin, and the hemoglobin mm-hmm. is obviously related to the red blood cells and oxygen levels and things <clears> like that. And mm-hmm. I think. Uh, particularly because, you know, a lot of our listeners are, you know, mums-to-be, new mums, and particularly those who are supporting new mums, The, Mm. the thing that I would love to kind of like just touch on is the fact that the symptoms that you were talking about seem very unique in the sense that we are all tired as mothers Mm -hmm. you know it comes with the job you know there's the job description of like eating toast scraps tim tams (laughs) on the run and then tired right so it's part of the job description but i think it's important to note like particularly in those newborn days to differentiate the fact that it is unfortunately comes with the job that you will be tired but those other symptoms of like shortness of breath you know yep. sparkles in your face and like blurring mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that that's different like I think that's I really want to highlight yeah. that because I know that yeah. because because Mel and you know this people throw around this like iron deficiency mm-hmm. thing like all the time mm-hmm. so okay let's talk about monitoring it yes. let's talk about the guidelines let's get let's just fact from fiction <laughs> Because that is what we are all about. We are all about debunking the myths because, again, this is a topic that I think gets thrown around, but people are not very clear on what those guidelines Mm -hmm. are. And I think also the expectations. I mean, we look at, uh, you know, pregnancy and postpartum nutrition and there's guidelines around that. And, you know, if you Mm. speak to someone like Lily Nichols, she'll blow them out of the water, which is why I love Love her so much. But let's talk about the guidelines around, Mm. as you say, the ranges, the expectations in monitoring.
1: Mm. I also wanted to quickly, as you were saying that, I thought of two other things that really is, is abnormal. And if you haven't, oh, then yeah. it is a sign to go get a blood test. It would be bruising, easy bruising. So one of the signs of my anemia was bruises up and down my legs. So that's mm. a sign I would be getting your iron checked. And also heavy periods. So heavy periods and clotting in your periods. So some of these, some women that are listening to this might not have their period cycle back yet if they're postpartum, but if it comes back and it is... Heavy than it used to be, that could also be a sign your iron's low as well. So, mm-hmm. there are some interesting ones to consider. Yeah. So, in Australia, the current guideline for monitoring iron levels for pregnancy is you tend to get your first set of blood tests when you find out you're pregnant. So, yep. if you found out you're pregnant, you go to your GP and they'll run a confirmation blood test of HCG. It is up to that GP as to whether they'll put iron studies on there or not. So, some do and some don't. I really would love to see that happening as a gold standard that it is checked immediately. Because if you are entering the pregnancy with iron deficiency or just suboptimal levels of ferritin, then we know that you will absolutely be developing iron deficiency a lot quicker than Mm -hmm. someone who walked into the pregnancy with fantastic iron storage Mm -hmm. so then the next blood test isn't until 28 weeks where we know it iron can drop as early as 12 weeks or you might already be deficient and just haven't been picked up yet because you know we normalize tiredness like you said yeah oh it's just part of the pregnancy i'm really tired yeah 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 Yeah. So I I have a real issue with that. I I think it's a huge gap. And then obviously at that point, it's like, oh my God, you're now iron deficient anemic, for example, Uh, you need an infusion quickly. You know, like it's, if we could get onto it a little bit earlier, we could find that we could prevent this because you don't want to become anemic. It feels horrible. Mm. Mm. And there is adverse outcomes associated with anemia in pregnancy, iron deficiency anemia. We've got increased rates of postpartum depression, low birth weight, interuterine growth restriction, placental abruption, postpartum hemorrhage. These are all really well documented in the research linked to anemia during pregnancy. Mm. So, if we can just test more often. Yeah. So, you know, my women that I care for in my clinic, we do a blood test every eight weeks, sometimes to 10 to 12, but definitely not waiting until 28 weeks. So, as a guideline, if you say, "Look, I do a blood test when I fall pregnant, and I'm going to ask my GP to add iron studies on there," and then I would also be asking for a thorough blood check at the end of your sec- uh, at the end of your first trimester. Sorry, so whether it's you know yeah about twelve weeks, and then again around twenty weeks, again twenty eight, and then you definitely want one at that sort of mid third trimester, because if you have developed iron deficiency anemia or you're becoming iron deficient, we know that it's linked to risks within the birth. So like I mentioned, postpartum hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. And if you're needing a cesarean section, you know, we, we don't want to become, we don't want to be anemic going into surgery. Yeah. So we need to know that before birth, definitely before birth.
0: Yeah. I think that's really sound advice. And, and I think because it makes sense to me you know why would you not be monitoring because (laughs) as I Mm. say to all of our clients you know the point of good nutrition is to you know replenish all the beautiful micronutrients that our babies suck the life out of us for and we are (laughs) essentially building new red blood cells for our children like goodbye That's storage.
1: <laughs> like I know. Like, not just your own red blood cells because <laughs> yeah. our red blood cells cycle over every 120 days or so. It's also our whole human's blood yep. supply. Yeah. My gosh. And iron does so much in other aspects as well, like brain development and such. So, you know, yes. Can you see why so many people end up iron deficient? It, it makes a lot of sense, but I do think preconception care is a part of this picture because mm. if we are able to You know, if you know you want to conceive, sometimes we have surprise pregnancies like my willow, so we can't (laughs) always do this. But if you know that you want to conceive, it's my my recommendation that we get a blood test three months prior to that sort of ideal date of trying to conceive because then we know, right, what are we working with and what do we need to fix in the next three months so that when you start to conceive you have the best chance of being as healthy as possible and feeling your best and then also having enough for yourself and baby. Because baby is stabbing a hole in your bucket and just, yeah. you know, yeah. like your bucket of nutrients. Yeah.
0: And there bumps. goes the water.
1: And I think I read a
0: study the other day where, like it was, they were looking at the fact that iron deficiency is actually, um, no, what am I trying to say? That mm. that iron levels I guess, correlate to your probability of conception. So, you know, as you say, get yourself in that Mm -hmm. best case scenario three months prior because prevention is much easier than treatment. Like it just is, you know. And Okay, so I want to talk about that. So let's say someone came to you, um, you know, and said, Mel, I want to get pregnant in three months Mm, and you mm. send them off they get the iron levels back and let's say they're around that 30 mark okay yeah what are your suggestions around boosting that iron what are your recommendations for them
1: so absolutely that's not optimal so we would want it's hard to pick a figure because everyone's quite different and we need to also look at their hemoglobin and their transferrin but as a as a rough rule i do say yeah, ferritin should be a minimum of 50 to 60, but some people, you know, it really, yeah, I can't say that for sure, but that's my general guideline. So I would suggest an iron supplement. Oral iron supplements absolutely is what we would be needing to start. It might take them three months to rectify that. It just depends. Iron really doesn't work as quick as, say, vitamin D. Like if your vitamin D is low, you can fix that in weeks, but mm. iron takes time. So if we look at different iron forms, they're absolutely. There's one at the top, which is iron by It's got the most research as the most absorbable iron supplement there is. And then they sort of go down from there. And unfortunately, the ones at the chemist and the most popular brands that doctors are referring to, they're not iron by So they're ferrous fumarate, ferrous sulfate, and they have a low absorption rate and come with ill side effects like Mm. constipation Mm. because they're really high-dose iron. So some of them are around 100 milligrams per capsule. Your gut will not, because iron's absorbed through the gut wall, your gut won't absorb all of that. And the excess sits within the digestive tract and it can absolutely cause constipation, nausea. Research also shows excess iron can also contribute to pathogenic bacteria species flourishing Mm. because bugs love iron. It's, it's, Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we, in my recommendation and in my clinic, we go with lower dose iron because that's been shown in the research to be as effective as higher dose. And then therefore, we're not going to hopefully get these side effects. And the same as if we use iron by glycinate, it's going to absorb quicker. That means we're going to rectify the situation quicker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As we know, there is a, you're about a 10 year gap between new research and then changes yes. in any medical industry or like, you know, guidelines. Um, but you know, as a naturopath, I don't have to work by that. So if I see new research and it, there's enough of it and it looks high quality and it's promising, we can give that a go. And, and some really good new research has been coming out saying that taking your iron supplement every second day actually helps absorption and it fixes your iron levels quicker. That's to do with a lot of new findings around this molecule in our gut called hepsidin. So hepsidin is our master iron regulator. Now, when we take an iron supplement, hepcidin increases and it's like a door. It literally shuts that iron sort of pathway through tummy to bloodstream. Mm -hmm. So, hepcidin will stop that. And that's because humans, unlike other animals, actually, we lack effective ways of excreting excess iron because excess iron is actually really toxic. We don't want too much. So, body's way of making sure we keep our iron levels okay is the hepcidin. Now, research has found if we take iron every second day, that gives hepcidin enough time to actually drop back down again so that you absorb more of the next supplement. But Uh, if we take iron every day, that hepcidin will come up and then potentially that second day dose is not being absorbed. So, it was a study completed showed that if we If we actually take it every second day, this study said that an oral dose of iron in healthy volunteers caused a five-fold increase in hepcidin within one day. So, it shows that hepcidin goes really high, blocks absorption the next day, and then it goes back down again. And yeah, so so that's, anyway, that's my suggestion. Really, it works. The feedback I'm getting is just like, oh my God, my iron is, is coming up. It's never been this high. It's never been this quick. I feel amazing. So that's my recommendation. Also, though, with low ferritin, there are there are other little things that we wanted to we want to look at copper levels as well. Copper mm-hmm. is really important in making sure your ferritin comes up. So, you know, you can check copper on a blood test. It's not something that will be routinely checked, but you can certainly ask for it. And then we also need um, vitamin A for ferritin as well. And then obviously, there's a bit of scaremongering of vitamin A. So. Yes. Just just incorporating maybe like beef liver capsules or making sure you eat uh, maybe more of the whole animal would be be helpful to get your vitamin A levels and copper. Beef liver contains copper too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so on, I guess, so there's the supplement route, but then on that kind of food Mm. intake, what are the types of foods that you would kind of be recommending, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the people who have an iron deficiency kind of tap Mm -hmm. into and I yeah. guess the other thing I wanted to touch on is you've already suggested that, you know, iron can in high amounts can be quite detrimental to our bodies. Do yes. you want to see, yes. do you want to push up the iron through the diet as well as through the supplements? Like, are they kind of working together mm. or is it kind of, you know, a bit of a hindrance? Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I mean we should never avoid high rich iron foods um, whilst taking supplements. That's not necessarily needed because a supplement has a lot more iron in it, obviously than a, than a meal would do. So you know that that's totally fine. Uh, maintaining your iron levels ongoing for the rest of your life, mm. nutrition is key and your diet. If we find though you are iron deficient or anemic, as a, cl- as a practitioner, I suggest supplementation because it'll fix it much, much quicker than we than we would find if you tried to just do it with your diet alone. Yeah. I think that would be dangerous if you were anemic, for example. Because yeah. yeah, I don't personally think it would be the right way to go. But if we look at diet, we, we really want to be trying to consume three to four serves of that red meat red meat a week. And I love slow cooking the meat because it's just so good for optimal absorption and digestion. Looking at incorporating, you know, the, the whole animal. So not just minced beef, for example, but looking at maybe some organ meats as well would be amazing. And then also with your supplementation, there are some key things that you shouldn't take your supplements with, your iron supplement with. Okay. And not many people know these. So If you get your pen and paper, everyone, yeah, yeah, no, this is really key because if someone finds they're taking iron supplements and it's iron by glycinate and it's done every second day and they're taking the right dose for their personal blood test level and it's not working, something is going on and we can fix it almost always. And I find it's because we're taking our iron supplement with the things that it shouldn't be going with because it doesn't absorb well with these things. So Coffee. Caffeine. I shouldn't say coffee. It's caffeine. So a lot of women, they chug their morning coffee down with their iron supplement and that's a huge no-no. They will not absorb well together. So do not take iron with caffeine. Also don't take it with any supplements that contain zinc Or calcium. They Mm. also don't absorb well with iron. So, you know, if you're pregnant, you might have a calcium powder you're mixing up in a a glass of water and chugging your iron down at the same time. Like, no, 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 it will not, it will not go well. Um, same as any high dose dairy food. So maybe avoid taking like a big glass of milk or anything dairy because of that calcium aspect. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I do not suggest to be taking your iron with your prenatal ever, because your prenatal contains zinc almost always. So, you know, separating them by around about an hour will really help that absorption. And then you might also like to incorporate some vitamin C rich foods because that's really important for iron. So, you know, vitamin C rich foods, like we've got berries, kakadu plum, oranges, you know, all of those types of Mm. vitamin C rich foods are, are great. Elderberry syrup's good as well.
0: Yeah. One of our favourite meals that we make our mums. Mm. This is like our um, our iron and vitamin C supercharged meal, and I oh, ty- yeah. typically I typically schedule this on the menu, particularly for C-section mummers or those who've had oh, postpartum hemorrhage yeah. in the yes. earlier weeks. Is our mm-hmm. sweet potato cottage pie, and oh my gosh. I get the butchers to put chicken liver in the beef mince and it Mm -hmm. is a game changer one because you can't Mm. smell it (laughs) I know and two you can't taste it and so Mm -hmm. many of our mums are just like oh my god this was amazing Mm. and because we've got the sweet potato that's the vitamin c and Oh, you know, we I pair it, it <laughs> with a few other things, but that is that's our go-to supercharge mm-hmm. meal yes. for for mamas after. Um,
1: I love their that life. because I think when someone says to you, you know, oh, can, you know, eat more organ meats, it's like like for myself, I'm like, oh, how the hell am I cooking that? Yes. So you know, I love that idea because yeah. you're incorporating it with something that you yeah you wouldn't even notice it. So yeah, that's actually a really good suggestion.
0: Yeah, we so. I mean, just go speak to your butcher. They've got it on hand. And like, because yes. I, I'm, I love cooking, but, you know, I'm not particularly amenable to handling meat. So any mm-hmm. off chance that I can kind of outsource mm. that to the butcher, but go ask, mm. like, people listening, go to your butcher and say, hey, can you get some mm. grass fed beef and some, you know, organic free range chicken livers? Put it together. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to look it up now because the other thing is, Mel, that you have to get the ratios right because you can imagine mm. that it can go a little bit south. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be like they oh, know wow, the Oh, wow. That's, is that's a lot yeah. of liver
0: in there. So, okay. Everyone get your pen and paper 80% grass fed beef mince, 15% mm-hmm. grass fed beef fat, and 5% grass fed liver and you can do beef or chicken yeah get your butcher to make it up you'll probably have to like get I don't know like a minimum three kilos made up but get I get my butcher to put it into like 500 gram bags I put it in the freezer so you can do cottage pie spaghetti bolognese whatever you use mince with normally that's what I do it with so um oh I'm gonna do that you know I've never heard of that oh my gosh do it it's it's uh, to, to me it's a game changer because so many people, yeah. particularly mums, are like same as you. They've been told eat more organ meat and they're like, oh God, I really want yeah. to, but I just yeah. don't know how to. So um get your mints, mm-hmm. get your mints sorted at so <laughs> to give that to
1: your little Yeah, and so easy to give that to your little ones as oh, well. Like yeah. I iron for babies, toddlers, like up there with one of the most important nutrients they need in food and what baby I mean this is my experience but most toddlers and baby you know past that six month mark starting solids like when they're ready love bolognese love pasta bolognese and so you could yeah what a what a good addition to get that extra hit of iron for them yeah
0: absolutely and I don't know many babies or toddlers who enjoyed that iron fortified rice cereal Mm. no (laughs)
1: oh god don't let's Um, not get started on that even yeah (laughs) no no we won't get started okay
0: and before we enter into our rapid fire i want to ask you one more question i want to talk about so we've walked through i guess the guidelines and recommendations for during pregnancy what are your thoughts Mm. on postpartum Yes. Do you believe like how often should we be monitoring what's what's going on in that space because mm. you know p- for people who listen to this podcast quite regularly you you will know my opinion on the fact that I believe that once that umbilical cord is cut women's health mm. goes out the window oh and yes. so what are we what should we be expecting at that 6 week checkup mel <laughs>
1: Oh, well, I hope that it is not just about contraception. That's for sure. So, look, if you've had a an excessive bleed at birth, the hospital will tend to give you a blood test in, at, at that time. And, and, and if they don't, it might be something just to keep in the back of your mind and your partner, look, oh, should we be getting a blood test? Because, you know, I um I feel like I lost a little bit of blood. Just to make sure because anemia can happen really quick. Like if you hemorrhage enough, it'll be present then. However, if it's not severe enough that it's apparent at that time, we do need to check it at the six week postpartum check because it can take your body time to show the actual, I guess, the permanent level your iron would be following birth because it can, yeah, like it can take time to sort of settle. So at the six week check, we want to check your iron studies and a full blood examination. So that's the full blood examination is your red and white blood cells. We want to check your ferritin levels and your hemoglobin levels. Um, I hear of so many women not being offered a blood test at that appointment. Mm -hmm. I'm one of them. It was not done. I hemorrhaged with Willow like I spoke about earlier. And then between the hospital and my GP, that was not, I guess, what's that? It wasn't told to the GP. Communicated. And and, and I explained that I lost blood, but, I mean, I wasn't really, I was, you know, half dead with sleep deprivation. I wasn't astute in explaining the exact level and whatnot. And, um, anyway, she, my GP focused really solely on going on the pill, which was like mm. the last thing on my mind. Yeah. Anyway, um, this is where it gets missed because you haven't checked. And so if you don't know, you don't know if, especially being a new mum, you think, Oh, I, I'm supposed to feel like this, right? Like mm. this is really normal. So definitely a six week check. And if you, if you are able, I honestly recommend a blood test every 6 months for the first sort of year or two. And and I really I know that sounds a lot, but it just it makes sure you are not ever getting too low in iron. Breastfeeding, we've got that as a as a way to definitely go low in iron and also your menstrual cycle returns, it sometimes is heavier mm. just because you know, you've had a baby. And yeah. so we want to just make sure we're going okay. And and I sort of say for all women, a check every year, that's to me a non-negotiable uh, menstruating women. It's absolutely essential. But then postpartum, I'd say, yeah, one at six weeks, one at six months postpartum, and then seeing how you're feeling maybe at 12 months postpartum as well. But you shouldn't need to supplement without knowing you needed it. You know, like I I don't want women just to take iron because they think that that that's the best way to avoid deficiency. We shouldn't take excess iron that we don't need. Yeah. So we really want to make sure on a blood test, it's what I need and then take it for a set time, recheck, make sure it's fixed. If it's not, finding someone like me who I can really make (laughs) sure that it's all going well, but you know, um, going back to your practitioner and going, like, my levels haven't really shifted. What could be going on? So it's mm. Sort of, we don't want to just take iron forever. I mean, I've heard of women on Ferrograd C for two or three years and their iron hasn't changed yes. at all. I that was going to not- say that to you. My, yeah. my mm. like,
0: 17-year-old cousin got mm. a blood test, you know, because she felt unwell and tired and what have you, um, mm. got popped mm. on, yep, stock standard <laughs> constipating yep. causing yeah. um, iron. Yeah. And then mm. she still felt rubbish because she was getting all the, you know, the consequences of that. And yeah. I said to her, you know, how long have you been
1: doing this for?
0: And she mm. goes, oh, about six months.
1: Oh my God. And I said, yeah. have you
0: been like, why? First of all, why? And then second, mm. have you like, what did your follow up blood results say? And she said, mm. I don't, I haven't done one. And I was like Oh yes, I hear o- of this all M- the time. Is like and at the time I was <laughs> yeah. like, Is this a thing? Like, is this just mm. her being a seventeen year old who hasn't got the capacity to like get herself to a doctor? But I was like, yeah, So I like don't literacy. <laughs> They should be following up. Did they say come back in three months? She's like, no. She just told me to go get that from the pharmacy.
1: Oh Oh, my goodness! Anyone out there who has
0: been told this, please, Mm. first of all, go find yourself another GP. Yeah, (laughs) and second of all, there are amazing ones out there. Yes, yes, absolutely. There are some good ones, but sometimes it's needle in a haystack, though, Mel. Unfortunately,
1: I know. know. Yes, I hear you and. I hear that so often. It's like, oh no, I, I've been taking that for so long. I, I don't know, but I don't feel much better. And it's like, okay, we need another check, yeah. what's happening. Yeah. Um, but like I said, those those ones at the chemist, it's it's actually no wonder to me that it doesn't work well because they are poor absorbing. we we often are guided to take them daily, which I personally, you know, that's not my recommendation with my own clients. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking at, you know, all the excess iron, it's too much. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then women, you know, especially like just say you did give birth and there was, um, a little bit of blood loss or, you know, you were told at some point along the way, you need an iron supplement. It is just that go grab an iron from the chemist, your iron's low. And there's barely no guidance around, okay, what's the exact dose for me? How Mm. long before I need a follow-up? What level am I trying to achieve on my ferritin? And then also, you know, what should I, when should I take this and what should I not take it with? And that's where, yeah, that's where there's um, so many women walking around with iron deficiency. Oh, couldn't have said it better. Mm. Well, (laughs) let's finish up with our rapid fire
0: because I'm mindful of your time as well. Okay, (laughs) here we go. What is your top tip for mums?
1: Oh, it's blood tests with a good set of skilled eyeballs on them. (laughs) Um, blood Blood tests give us the best way of seeing where you're at you know, and it's individual. Like I could suggest, oh, a multi or this or eat that. But if we get a thorough blood test and we've checked like your B12, your thyroid, your vitamin D, everything, we know exactly what you need to fix whatever concerns you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting a practitioner that's very, I guess, holistic in that they acknowledge the role of nutritional, you know, status. They're not just saying to you, oh, your vitamin's D low. Like, oh well so is everyone else in Melbourne you know like that's not the the outcome we want so we want someone that yeah really takes it seriously and gives you individual guidance on this this for this long this dose for you.
0: Perfect I love
1: that.
0: Do you have a go-to resource whether it be a book a workshop or anything like that for birthing mothers? Oh did you use anything like like you say you spoke about the fact mm-hmm. that you had a bit more research and information under your belt after Willow. Yep. Was there anything yep. that kind of stands out for you that that was kind of instrumental I in, think- in that experience?
1: I think at that time it was my uni degree, but I would say, um, that an amazing book is the postpartum depletion cure. Mm. And I think I would suggest that in pregnancy to be reading that in advance because it does go through all of the levels and it goes through all of the nutrients that mums are depleted in all of the red flag symptoms, like everything. I I think, yeah, Dr. Oscar, amazing. So Mm. I, I would suggest that for sure. And then also, um, I studied at uni with Vaughn Geary, and she and Jessica Prescott wrote a book called Life After Birth. And that is very holistic as well. And it goes through all of the things to make your postpartum, you know, better, I suppose, yes. especially health wise, because Vaughn's a naturopath. It, it definitely goes into the physiolog. what do you, what's the word? Physiological. Physiological. yeah changes after birth and um i think that's that's also a really good resource too yes and then my instagram of course because i go through that a lot too (laughs) yes you
0: have some fantastic content i i love i love your space final question we ask all of our guests what do you keep on your bedside
1: table Oh, my own iron supplement at the moment. So last year I got a, I got a blood test and I was really low because, of course, I wasn't looking after myself because I was looking after everyone else. So I've got my own iron biotic on there, uh, earplugs, because I wear earplugs every night. Really? I do. I cannot sleep without earplugs. Okay. I don't think that's good for me and my ears, yeah. but yeah. it's a weaning process. It's like yeah. an addiction. Okay. <laughs> And I've got a book on there at the moment called A Quiet, Just Quiet by Susan Kane, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, okay. Um, It's about introverts and the power of introverts. And I would classify myself as an introvert and it's just, it's like debunking myths about introverts, but also how do introverts' brains work and how to harness that for your own work in your own life. And it just validates me like little, little personality things about myself. And I'm like, Oh, it's not like my partner, Scott, who's a true extrovert. Oh, I I feel shit about myself. I'm not a socialist humor. You know, I, I feel exhausted after I socialize like what's with that. Anyway, yeah. this book's so validating for, for me. So I'm really enjoying it. And it's helped me with also, if you're parenting an introvert, how to, how to beautifully nourish them because we do live in a world that I think sort of extra extroversion is like promoted. like that's we should be all extroverts that's the way to be successful yeah so anyway it's got chapters on like raising introvert introverted children which I really like as well because I have a feeling one of my little girls is an introvert
0: I love that thank you for sharing that okay that's okay (laughs) if if the listeners would like to look Mm. you up and find out more about your clinic and you and your
1: products Mm. where can we find you? So I'm most active on Instagram at The Natal Naturopath. And then also my website is au, And I also have my own podcast and I would love to have you on there, Renee. Oh, thank Um, you. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm going to set that up for sure. You're such a wealth of knowledge. It's The Natal Naturopath Podcast. So you can find that on Apple or Spotify. Amazing.
0: Well, Oh my God, Mel, like I, I looked at the clock and I was like, oh my God, we've only got 10 minutes left. Yeah. This has been such a good chat. I'm so glad that we got a chance to speak about this because, as I said at the beginning, like mm. I feel like mm. this topic just gets thrown around, but people are not armed with the right knowledge. Yes. And it's being informed about
1: it. Yes. it. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. And, you know, particularly. I think in pregnancy, we take the lead of medical practitioners, right or wrong. Mm. Mm -hmm. I did it. I did it. I put all my my eggs in that basket. And Mm -hmm. then you kind of soldier on and you're like, hold on a minute, I don't feel great. Or Mm -hmm. they told me that this level was okay, but that doesn't feel right to me. And so I think bringing airplay to this, bringing light to the fact that, you
1: know if doesn't if it doesn't feel right then keep searching and always um, your body yeah. your body is talking to you constantly and giving you clues and it's up to us to be listening to it and also not buying into the whole normalizing of symptoms mm-hmm. like, oh, bloating's normal because everyone's bloated and period pain's normal because everyone's got period pain. Mm-hmm. Um, And also, you know, trying to have a a person in your corner, in your team, in your postpartum team that, that could, that is outside of the medical system, like a doula yeah. or a naturopath or someone holistic that could help with that because they might, they might notice it within you and you might have that, that really, really open chat and they might say, oh, I don't think that's normal. And then, and then help you with that. You know, um, that's, that's what I love. It's like a gap between you to the medical system is, you know, more of a holistic practitioner, I think in your team is so, so integral.
0: Yeah. Amazing. All right, then. Thank you so much. And I, I, I suspect this will only be part one of um, oh, having you on the I podcast. Could talk. <laughs> yes. But um, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Thanks, Renee, for having me. See ya. Bye. If you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services, including our postpartum in-home care and our fill your freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.